Hello and welcome to Socialism, the Marxist podcast from the Socialist Party. What can the horrors of industrialisation teach socialists today? 175 years ago, Britain was the most advanced capitalist country on the planet. Leaps forward in industry created huge productive power and riches for the capitalists. Radicals looked to Britain as a way forward for society following revolutionary movements against the old feudal rulers in Europe. But despite massive economic progress, which lays the basis for socialism, capitalism came with terrible new social miseries. What was life like for the working class in 1845? Is there any real comparison with life in the 21st century? And what did it tell Engels about who should run society? This episode of Socialism part of a short series on Engels, looks at his first major work, The Condition of the Working Class in England. Listeners, we know you come to Socialism, the podcast, because you want to hear about ideas which can change the world. I'm going to give you some more of those ideas just now with this episode. But first, let's have a little talk about ideas and how you can hear more about them. Because capitalism is in deep crisis. And as always, it's the working class who are expected to pay. Poverty preys on us all. Job losses abound, but revolt is in the air. Covid showed us we can't trust the boss class with our future. So the big question is, how can these movements become powerful enough to make the change that we need? Well, what if there was an online event discussing all the big issues facing working class and young people today? Current affairs, international events, history, theory and more. What if... That event was attended by hundreds of socialists, trade unionists and working class fighters from across Britain and the world. What if you could take part in that event and join those discussions on these vital questions? Well, how could you afford to miss such a hypothetical event? Good news, it's not hypothetical, it's called Socialism 2020 and you can join in. So that's four days of discussion, debate and rallies from Friday the 20th to Monday the 23rd of November 2020. You can buy tickets for the whole event or just a day or even just one session if you can't get off work. Pricing is variable so you can come even if you've been cut back or laid off and you can read all about it and book your tickets at socialism2020.net. So come, hear more about our ideas, with plenty of opportunities to ask questions and have your own say. Come to Socialism 2020. Visit socialism2020.net now. So for the second in our series for the bicentenary of the birth of Friedrich Engels, we're going to be looking at his first major work, in fact the work which brought him and Marx together, It's called The Conditions of the Working Class in England and here to talk about that major work is Helen Patterson, who is the London Secretary of the Socialist Party and a member of the party's National Committee. Hello, Helen. Hello. So, Engels wrote this book in 1845. What was life like then? Well, dire would definitely be how I'd describe it and what he describes in the work as well. Engels was actually living in Germany at the time and he came to visit England to try and catalogue the living conditions of working class people. But it wasn't random that he chose to come here, actually, because at the time 
England was the most developed capitalist country, mm-hmm. he wanted to come and really expose that even though there was capitalist development, it still meant misery for millions of people. And that is what he talks about in this book, that misery. And it really comes across in the pages. And then it's not really spelled out, but the conclusion of that is you have to fight for socialism if you're going to tackle that poverty and misery that working class people face. And even in the prefaces and introductions to later editions of the book, he actually goes into more detail about why he thought it was so important to catalogue the living conditions of working class people, but so that it could become a tool of anger, of organising a revolt at a later stage. But what does come across is that Engels was very young at this time when he's writing and he's not quite able to piece all of those things together. How young was he? So he was only 24 at this time. and impressive. Yes, very. And he hadn't even actually intended to write a book. He thought it could be a chapter that would give a bit of explanation in another, in a longer historical book. But it does mean that it's just chapter after chapter about how terrible living conditions are and it's a bit of a list of all those conditions rather than like a bit more of a formulated manifesto for the working class class a way to fight or more broader conclusions it sort of just does end up cataloguing some of the experience of working class people without the sort of added bit that he and Marx work out to do a little bit later on. So it's more as you say of a catalogue of the problems facing the working class without as much analysis of how those problems have come into being and therefore how they can be overcome although there are hints at it and I think you'll explain that a bit more later on but you've mentioned just now that Britain was the most developed capitalist economy in the world at the time so didn't that have an impact on people's living conditions? Well, that was definitely the assumption by many people that the living conditions in Britain must have been higher because of that capitalist development. And actually, specifically when Engels was writing this book, Britain had just gone through an economic recession, which obviously, again, later Marx would go on to detail and explain why capitalism goes through periodically a system of expansion and recession. But during that time, actually, poverty had gotten even worse in Britain. And You know, it comes across that Engels was trying to bust that myth a little bit to the people who maybe had faith in capitalist development on its own to improve working class people's living conditions, political thinkers and theoreticians, utopian socialists in other parts of the world who might have been looking to Britain and thinking that that was a solution to all of the problems. And in a way, he was trying to explain, look how terrible conditions are in Britain. It's not the solution to everyone's problems. Actually, no matter how much capitalist development takes place, that it'll still be necessary to fight for socialism and socialist revolution. So this is after big developments in Europe like the French Revolution when the old feudal aristocracies who presided over terrible poverty, awful living conditions, repression of the mass of the population to defend their obscene riches, they'd been overthrown, had their heads taken off in some cases. And so it was understandable that people were saying, well, look, there's a new class in charge in England. Isn't this the way of the future? Isn't this what we'd all hoped for as a way out? And is that what Engels was really trying to grapple with there? Yeah, exactly. And it does also a little bit, some of the introductions as well, read as he is writing to the working class, to working class people as well, to say your job is to fight for socialism, that you can't have faith in the gains of capitalism, of technology, of all of the advances of medicine and everything like that would not change the fundamental conditions of the masses because of the contradictions of capitalism and therefore your job, the working class, will be to fight for socialism. But like I said, he was still very young. He hadn't worked out how to do all of those tasks within in one book necessarily and that's why you get this feeling of a bit of a catalogue of all the problems rather than like a tool to direct you. So 
clearly there were battles facing the working class at this time. You said there's this list of problems. What were the main battles they were facing? Oh, definitely. So, like I said, there was a recession and there was awful poverty. And actually, it's really graphic, this book, and how it explains that situation. So he's talking about families breaking up their furniture to make firewood, living in empty houses with piles of hay on the floor, which would work as their beds, and whole families having to sleep in one room on the floor. At one point, he talks about people making the decision of either starving or eating rotten meat. Mm. And so it's really dire, the living conditions. I keep saying that word, but that is how it comes across. And they're all sort of exposed. But at the same time, on top of the living conditions that people faced, obviously their world was also very different to ours. So people didn't have the same democratic rights that we have today. They didn't have the right to assembly in the same way to organise even political meetings. And actually people were also taking up those issues at this time. So just a few years before had been the Chartist movement, where there had been huge public meetings, protests and a petition handed to Parliament wanting, fighting for the right to vote. So there were lots of issues that were facing working class people from the right to organise, the right to vote. There was obviously, this is 50 years before the Labour Party, so not only did people have to fight for the right to vote, but there was no party that represented the working class either. And all of those questions were swelling up in society. At the time, there was huge ferment of all of those issues. And I think, again, Engels hoped that this book in some way might inspire support for socialist ideas, revolution particularly in places like Germany, you know, up-and-coming capitalist countries who might be able to see that they had to go further and fight for more, but also that it would inspire the working class in Britain too. So look, some of this doesn't sound too unfamiliar to people today. This issue about people having to eat rotten food or starve. There are people who are close to starving or indeed in a small number of cases in Britain have starved to death actually as a result of austerity now compounded by the pandemic crisis. Thousands in the United States, the richest country on the planet, haven't had enough to eat. But surely the kind of horrible situation of child labour and no plumbing and grimy smokestack factories, the living and working and economic situation today is very different from 19th century England. So does this book still really have any value? Absolutely, I think it does. I think for anyone who picks up this book this year particularly, you'll be shocked by some of the comparisons that you can make to the situations that are explained in the book, partly because a huge amount of the book is actually about epidemics and public health. So despite the changes that have taken place in the last 170 years, it's still actually very relevant, eerily relevant really, even in the most developed countries where this kind of poverty doesn't exist on the same scale, it hasn't been eradicated, and that's the point. Horrific cases like Mercy Baguma, who in Glasgow starved to death in her flat, mm. you know, still do happen mm -hmm. and are horrible. 600 homeless people died in the streets in 2018. And then on top of that, it's our working conditions as well of people working hugely long hours for poverty pay in parts of the gig economy as well. You know, people's health being put on the line because of the boss's demand for work during the pandemic it's not just a history book although the living conditions for millions of people in the most developed countries have changed and then we do also have to remember that 
this kind of poverty does still exist. So one in three people, it's estimated, don't have access to safe drinking water around the world. So it is still relevant. But then I just want to go back because it's really, really relevant for this year. Because Mm. like I said, so much is about the links between poverty, living standards, and then the impact on people's health. And really, it's a tool for us because it rips apart the idea that there's any such thing as national unity during an epidemic. You know, the Tories said to us that we're all in it together. Well, Engels was busting that myth 170 years ago. He says at one point that it's society's failure to meet people's vital needs. So he means things like access to decent food, enough food, sanitation, housing, warmth that prepare the frame for contagion and make the epidemic. So living conditions of the working class and the majority of poor people is what allows sickness to spread and become an epidemic. And this is something that we've looked at in a number of podcasts about COVID, haven't we? Specifically, the housing crisis in this country, notwithstanding the enormous wealth. I mean, you mentioned, by the way, earlier, didn't you? People sleeping on straw and empty houses. How many people have had to pawn possessions or have to sleep on bare mattresses or Mm. cushions on the floor in their flats because it's all they can do to make rent. But the incredible overcrowding in housing because of the extortionate rates clearly has been responsible for massive spread of the virus in a number of working class areas here and around the world. Yeah, and at one point he talks about a fever that's ravaging London and he says that it's ill-built and ill-kept streets that are largely to blame for that being able to happen. So that is him describing the conditions then of people living on top of each other without proper ways to deal with waste and sanitation that were allowing the sicknesses and that fever at that time to really spread. And part of the problem was that at that stage as well, the cities had exploded really quickly in size because of the development of capitalism and industry that drawn people into those cities but that when they were expanding the needs of the population the needs of the people who were going to come and work in the factories that were being built was not thought about it wasn't planned it wasn't organized and therefore their needs of safety of health of all those things were not being met and so he covers all of these epidemics cholera typhus and smallpox And then the other thing that links into that that's really interesting, and I think, again, really poignant for young people today, given we've just had the student movement last year around climate change, is that he talks about, as well, the impact of pollution on people's health, especially children and young people. And you just think, you see all those school students who were protesting last year in the demonstrations, you know, talking about the pollution levels around their schools. And here was Engels talking about the same impact on people 170 years ago. In fact... At this time, there's research, and he talks about this as well, there's research that shows that the impact on people's health was that people were actually getting shorter at this time, so they weren't growing as much. So despite all the technological, all the industrial, medical, economic developments of capitalism, the population was getting sicker because they weren't growing as much as they had been previously. And you could measure it in the fact that average height was going down because people were so undernourished, overworked and hungry that they didn't grow as much. And it's only recently in Britain, for example, that we have noted from the official statistics put out by government bodies that the growth in life expectancy in the general population has stopped. And in some cases, in some parts of the most deprived sections of the population, particularly in Scotland, even gone into reverse. So we may not be getting shorter, but our life expectancies are no longer increasing. And it's exactly the same problem. So look, 
capitalism is new as the dominant system at this stage. You've said the cities have exploded in a very short period of time. Before that, people were largely producing for themselves and their families and a little bit for the old feudal landlords out in the fields. It was back-breaking, endless toil, but at least they weren't living on top of each other in these cramped conditions. I mean, some people might ask... You know, was it really worth it? <laughs> was it really worth breaking out of feudalism if this was the consequence? I mean, what do you think Engels might say about that? Is there anything in this book about what should be done to drive things forward? Yeah, well, at one point, Engels outlines the solution to what he calls social murder by the ruling class of the working class in really, yeah, one line. So he demands the surrender of the administration of the common interests to the labouring class. So basically he's saying, no matter how much technological advancement capitalism offers you, how much it seems on the surface that it's moving people forward, at the end of the day, the system was there to make the ruling class their wealth and off the backs of the working class. And therefore they could never be trusted to solve the problems of the working class. They had to be overthrown and the working class had to take on the democratic organising and running of society. So he's talking at this time where capitalism had opened up the possibilities of socialism being built. But ultimately, even really by this point, he's also saying, but capitalism has outplayed its usefulness. It's done that. It's brought people into the cities. Now we need to give power to the working class. So everything, you know, the running of society can be handed to the working class to organise it democratically and put people's living standards and health before profit and the ruling class. I mean, really, all of that is him in his own way. And, you know, he and Marx got clearer on this in later writings, saying we have to fight for socialism. Now, what he doesn't do in this work, but is explained in other works, is why specifically it is the working class that has to do that, other than explaining that their living conditions were really terrible and they weren't seeing the fruit of their labour because their living conditions were getting worse or staying the same and the rich were getting richer. Doesn't explain all the other reasons why it's the working class. But he does in other works explain why the working class is the driving force for change, for socialism, and that it's only by that that improvements can be given to the working class and the majority of ordinary people. So the working class has to take control because that's the only way for it to achieve any kind of sustainable living conditions. But he doesn't, as you say, explain why it's the working class which can take control in order to end this social murder, as he puts it. But clearly... The problems are very different from what you've described in the 19th century to what we would see now in the 21st century. That's obvious. How could they be exactly the same? But they only really look different. Actually, fundamentally, what you're saying is they are the same problems. It's this divide between the rich and the poor that it's only by taking control out of the hands of the capitalists that the working class in England and the working and the poor around the world today can put an end to the social murder of the pandemic, the economic crisis and so on. And they have a lot of the same problems that they had in 1845. You mentioned earlier that the working class didn't even have its own party in 1845. That's again the case now after the counter-revolution in Labour, isn't it? So what is the way forward finally then? Yes. So this book gives you little tasters of the way forward. It doesn't give you all the answers. And I would say, don't just read this book. There are other more important books, including that Engels and Marx wrote, that offer more of a way forward. The way forward for working class people is absolutely to organise and fight for an alternative to the rotten capitalist system. And throughout his life, Engels goes on to explain how that can be done, but 
really uses the raw facts again and again to argue that that was true. Capitalism had to be overthrown. It wasn't offering working class people a way forward. And then you think about the fact that here we are 170 years later, so you can feel like this was a long time ago, but then that we have the same problems just sort of redesigned for 170 years later. We make the point about Zero-Hours contracts. Well, the first Zero-Hours contracts were the dockers Mm. in the East End who would go and try and get a day's work. The issues of the working class come back again and again, maybe slightly different, but you can recognise the similarities. And so capitalism has had 170 years and it hasn't solved any of these fundamental problems of poverty, dire poverty, living conditions, health crisis, look at how the pandemic has spread. And therefore, how can you draw any other conclusion but that you have to fight for an alternative to the rotten capitalist system and therefore fight for socialism? But those raw facts are useful to show how ruthless this system is that it will always put profit first is useful and we make that point in our material so what was a bit lacking from this and what working class people need though is a program that is worth fighting on what are we fighting for we're fighting for a world that ends poverty ends inequality ends suffering challenges the struggles that people go through fights for liberation and end to oppression all of those things and that the material conditions existed actually 170 years ago and it's not that capitalism has developed and therefore we're less able to have socialism actually there's more material conditions that make it ripe for a socialist world to be built on this planet that could actually eradicate the problems that Engels was writing about 170 years ago and this book is an indictment today on that system. This rotten system that allowed people to live like that then still allows the same problems to continue today. And as always, listeners, if you like what you've heard, recommend us to your co-workers and friends, donate to help fund us, and if you agree... Join the Socialist Party. Thanks very much, Helen. Thanks. Socialism is produced by the Socialist Party, the England and Wales section of the Committee for a Workers' International. Today we heard from Helen Patterson, speaking to James Irons, and I, Berkai Carter. This episode was edited by Nick Hart. The socialist event of the year will be Socialism 2020. It's an open online forum of discussion and debate over four days, 22-23 November. Join hundreds of socialists, trade unionists and working class fighters to discuss the way forward in this extraordinary crisis of capitalism. Read more and book now at socialism2020.net. You can find further reading on this episode in the notes in your podcast app and at socialistparty.org.uk slash podcast. If you want to get in touch, email socialismpodcast at socialistparty.org.uk. Do you agree with the policies and actions the Socialist Party is fighting for? We need you. Send us your details at socialistparty.org.uk slash join. If you live outside England and Wales and want to join the fight for socialism in your country, contact the Committee for a Workers' International by visiting socialistworld.net. Socialism, the podcast, has no wealthy backers. We rely on funding from the working class, which maintains our political independence. So help us take the fight to big business. You can make a regular donation 
or a one-off payment at socialistparty.org.uk slash donate. Till next time, solidarity.